Calling all AEC professionals. Get ready for unparalleled professional insights with detailed and original podcasts by RCAT. This is the podcast that brings you the untold stories and lessons learned behind the design and delivery of a building project. Hey, it's Sharice Lakeside, aka the CSI Kraken, and your host. Join me as we dive deep into the tales of conflict, triumph, and sheer ingenuity. Yeah, so when Serena was named for the, it was going to be named for the building, you know, we really were able to work with teams at Nike Branding and how to really infuse her influence and identity in the very public spaces. Detailed features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who spill the beans on the most complex, interesting, and downright odd building conditions they've encountered. Another challenge of the of the shuttle is actually and putting it in launch position is how you brace that seismically. It's really supported by only two pins at the base of the booster rockets. And there's a large base isolator that's underneath the shuttle that kind of prevents it from moving too much in an earthquake. The, you know, when you have 600 people or 300 people in a room, acoustically, you really need a high floor to floor so that you can have the right acoustic environment for people to be able to talk and that, that speech intelligibility is really good. Every episode unveils lessons learned and connects you to the products you need to navigate similar challenges. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Detailed today and be prepared for the unexpected on your next project. Every building has a story and we are here to tell it. Anyway, this is not an episode of Oprah. Let's keep going. Hello, or guten tag. Welcome back to She Builds Podcast, where we share stories about women in the design and construction field, one lady at a time. Like we mentioned last week, this season we're going international. All of the ladies of our second season will be from all over the globe. On today's episode, we will talk about Lily Reich. You might remember her as the collaborator to influential modern architect Mies van der Rohe. But she was many other things. A modernist furniture designer, a Bauhaus master, a mistress. I'm Jessica Rogers, looking at clothes that I don't wear anymore because of COVID, based out of Washington, D.C. And I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Lizzie and Nojiti. Hey, girl. Hey. I'm Lizzie Rar, serial sweatpants wearer, coming to you from San Francisco. And I'm Norjeri Rivas, listening to lots of audiobooks in Houston, Texas. All right. Like always, our quick disclaimer. The three of us are not historians, nor are we experts on this subject. We are just sharing stories about the information that we find about each woman. If we get our facts a little mixed up, please forgive us. Leave us a comment and we'll all continue learning together. All right. So, ladies... I'm really excited to talk about Lily Reich. Tell us why. (laughs) I can't wait to hear you say her name over and over again. Lily Reich. This lady is just so cool. And when you think about modern iconography, you'll see that Lily Reich was in the middle of it all. But I get ahead of myself. Um, Okay, let's start at the beginning. Lily Reich was born on June 16, 1885 in Berlin, Germany. 
Her career began actually as an industrial embroiderer. Ooh, that's fun. I actually love to sew. So what does an industrial embroiderer do, though? How is it different from regular embroidery? Yeah. So industrial embroidery is basically like the mass production of textiles for clothing and furniture. Okay. My guess is that Lily primarily was interested in clothing and fashion design because at the age of 23, she moved to Vienna, Austria to work at the Wiener Werkstätte under Josef Hoffmann, who was a prominent architect and furniture designer of that time. What was the Wiener Werkstätte? So this group was considered to be a productive cooperative of artisans which is basically a company composed of architects, artists, and designers of all kinds. They occupied a building of multiple stories where each floor was dedicated to specific productions, like metalwork, leatherwork, bookbinding, and a paint shop. The first floor served as a storefront where they sold jewelry, postcards, ceramics, and it also served as a gallery. So what kind of work did she do there? It's hard to tell what work she specifically did, because she was only there for a short period of time. However, what we can assume is that with her fashion and clothing interest, that's where she was introduced to furniture design and the modern aesthetic that was taking place at the Wiener Werkstätte. Um, and while working there, she was also introduced to architects and her love for fashion and textiles then translated into interior design. Mm, that's so interesting. Where did she go after Vienna? So Lily returned to Berlin and she started working on her own fashion and furniture design. She also worked on storefronts. So do you remember when I spoke about the Wiener Werkstätte in Austria? You mean like a minute or two ago? <laughs> I literally just asked you what it was, Jessica. <laughs> okay, just keeping you on your toes. Oh, okay, thanks. Okay, just we making always sure. Are. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Good job. So this workshop or collaboration group sort of became a popular model. I will mention it again, maybe not in two seconds, but I'll mention it again when we talk about the Bauhaus. But for now, in Germany, they started another group called the Deutsche Werkbund. It's a German association of craftsmen and German work federation. The organization aimed at bringing the highest standards of design to mass produced output. This organization became a major influence to people like Le Corbusier, Walter Gropius, and one Miss Vendor. Oh, okay, those are some big names. <laughs> yeah, they are. So let me guess. Lily got involved. Yeah. In 1912, she joined this group. There, she contributed to a lot of exhibitions, showcasing her work and designing furniture. One project in particular that Lily did was a sample working class flat in the Berlin Gewerkschaftshaus or trade union house. So basically a model apartment. This project got so much praise, which led her to contribute to the Weckbund exhibition in Cologne in 1914. This exhibition showcased new processes in construction like steel, glass, and concrete. And some of the architects that participated in it was Mies, Grobius, and Le Corbusier. Mm, I think I can see where this is going. Before we get ahead of ourselves, let's keep it with Lily. Homegirl was killing it. She was doing her thing and the Deutsche Werkbund, the German Association of Craftsmen or German Work Federation, that in 1920 
she became the first woman elected to be a part of the governing board of directors. Ooh, very impressive. Yeah. And with this new level of responsibility, Lily orchestrated two large exhibitions in New Jersey, America. Oh. Um, one was about women's clothing and fashions, and then the other was on German objects. By the mid-1920s, Lily was organizing trade fairs. She was traveling to Holland and England, working on interior design projects and other decorative arts. While working as the exhibition designer for a trade fair in Frankfurt, that's where she met the vice president of the Deutsche Werkbund, Mr. Mies van der Rohe. Love me some Mies. How can you not? I feel like deja vu. <laughs> yeah, we like yeah. just did this. I feel like we, we've been here before. <laughs> yes. Wait, we love ourselves some Mies. German objects. I forgot mm. to ask about, like, that's so vague. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so it's everything. German objects, I think, are like anything um, like household. It, it, it almost like crosses the line of like industrial things. So like how I saw it, it's like kitchen stuff. So like how like teacups. OK. Appliances. Like I think of remember. Yeah, like everyday items. But yeah. Good question, Lizzie. We go. You're, I mean, you're asking questions that the people want to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we love Mies. Mies is the bomb. But now we're about to get into the meat of our story. Because Lily and Mies began to work very collaboratively. They continued doing work, being a part of the Deutsche Werkbund, by co-creating exhibitions together. And with every exhibition that Mies was asked to participate in, Lily designed the furniture and the interiors. Ooh, fascinating pair. <laughs> so <laughs> what are some of the projects that we would have learned about that they worked on? Okay. So some of the projects include the Von Gram in Spiegelglas, living room in mirror glass, in which they made a series of rooms, like a study, a dining room, and a living room, with furniture designed by themselves. That allowed to differentiate the use of each space, leaning on the color and textures of the pavement, glass, and linoleum. Now, do you remember the Tugendhat house? Sounds familiar, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Yes, I studied that in one of our studios, actually. It's one of my favorite houses. The Tugendhat house is a famous project built in the Czech Republic. That was designed by Mies van der Rohe. And it was a very important project because it showcased all of the elements in the modern architecture movement at the time. Yeah. Lily did the interiors for that project. Mm. And she is credited for doing the Bruno chair for that house. Oh, interessant. I uh, know. I'll be sure to include images of the Bruno chair in the show notes because, to be honest with you, the chair sounded familiar to me, but I couldn't remember what it looked like. Okay. Good. I gotta be honest. I also don't remember what it looks like. I remember the house, but not the chip. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good because you always remember everything. <laughs> like, if Lizzie doesn't remember, it's okay that I don't because yeah. I've never heard of it. But I'm very excited to be educated now. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if we remember Mies and architecture history class, 
You will recall that the Tugendot House was constructed around the same time as another famous building by Mies, the Barcelona Pavilion. Mm. Now, these exhibitions are starting to make some sense. Wasn't the Barcelona Pavilion a part of the Barcelona World Exposition? Yeah. So in 1929, Mies and Lily were both named the artistic directors representing Germany at the Barcelona World Exposition. So do you guys remember when we actually saw the Barcelona Pavilion in person? Yes! Yes! That was so great. Heck yeah! That is one of my favorite projects we studied in school. It was amazing to be there. I remember I forced all of us into a photo shoot and then there was this one girl in the group that was not an architect and she wanted to leave and go to the beach. And I love the beach, but hello, Barcelona Pavilion. So I was like, sure, go ahead. I'm gonna live here now and catch you later. Do you remember? Yes. We're going to put pictures on the on our website. TBT. No, no, check Instagram. Or follow us at She Builds Podcasts on IG because some of my favorite photos are those photos taken at Barcelona Pavilion. So, but okay. Are y'all ready for some tea? AKA gossip. But not really because it's kind of fact slash a dose of drama. Scandal. (laughs) All right. So, (laughs) Lillian Meese. They work together on a lot of projects and word on the street is that their relationship wasn't just professional, but personal, too. Oh, vaya. Ich glaub mein Schwein pfeift. In my research, I kept coming across this statement. Mies and Lily had a close personal and professional relationship for 13 years. But then I found this article from the 1970s in the Washington Post. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes because it's juicy. The article was of Ludwig Glasher, who at the time was the curator of the Mies van der Rohe archive at a new show that was opening at the Museum of Modern Art. And in this article, he shared more than just about Mies's work. Girl, spit it! Yes! Stop teasing <laughs> I can't us. wait! You're yeah. like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> sorry, I had to There's give so like, much context here. here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah! Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's worth it, I promise. Okay, so let me begin with Mies, because Homeboy had a wife. And two daughters. Oh. And well, he wasn't the great, that great of a father. At one of the exhibition openings, one of Mies's daughters, Georgia, was interviewed. And this is what she had to say about her father. My father didn't live with us. My mother was not well. I suppose you might say she was fragile. She died young. We children and sort of a retinue of governesses and such lived in various places in Europe. While she took cures, we would just see him once or twice a year. That's really sad about her mother. And on top of that, not seeing her dad. That reminds me of the story I told you about the girl that her mom was an architect and she never saw her. But that was kind of an exaggeration, you know, like architects work long hours. But I think we can manage to see our kids more than once or twice a year. Like, it sounds like it wasn't just a work problem. Yeah. To me, that doesn't seem like an excuse for not seeing your kids like he's probably traveling and working long hours, but I still feel like that's not an excuse. And I completely Mm -hmm. agree that it sounds like it was more than just typical long architects hours. It sounds like he had other motives for not being there. Right. So tell us, Jessica. 
Yes, architects work a lot of long hours and you guys are on the nose because Ludwig, the dude from the article, said that in his research, he kept finding accounts of mistress after mistress. (sighs) Yeah, despite Mies being married, Ludwig believed that Mies was not a man suited to marriage. Mm. I always think I have found the last of the mistresses and then another turns up. But I have been told that the most recent mistress was only jealous of Lily Reich. What the heck? Okay, Mies. <laughs> yeah. You see, not a work problem. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I feel like this totally, I mean, I still love, I love the work, not the architect. Yeah, this is making, Mies has lowered in my opinions. This is sad. Okay, but what about Lily? They worked together on so many projects. Their relationship had to be different, right? I mean, I hope he respected her on a professional level that was different from the other women. Sure. I mean, I couldn't find much on his other mistresses. And honestly, I only cared about Lily. But you could tell that Lily definitely played an important role to Meese. Another quote from that Washington Post article was from one of Meese's employees. Meese rarely solicited anybody's comments, but was always eager to hear her opinions. Yeah, I want to believe that Mies respected and valued Lily professionally. I mean, I hope so. He's not looking super respectful in my eyes anymore. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, he actually sounds awful. But um, speaking of collaboration, let's get back to the Barcelona Pavilion. Ooh, yes. All right. Okay, so the Barcelona Pavilion was designed for the German government. Mies and Reich were hired to design an industrial exhibit for the exhibition. Then at the last minute, they were also asked to produce a pavilion, which is what we now know. And that was also home to the Barcelona chair, a very famous piece of modern furniture that we still talk about today. Are you going to say that? Yeah, girl. Lily designed <laughs> that famous Barcelona Ooh. chair. How come we didn't hear about that in school? Yeah, I just when I read that, I just think about our trip uh, back in Spain. Like I've seen this chair in person. I even sat on it. Well, it was a replica, but still we were there. We were like breathing her Mm -hmm. air. Of course, like I said, again, we will have an image of the chair in the show notes. But for a brief description of this chair, you know, picture it in your brains. It's of chrome steel with an X frame, one side rising to form a back. It had leather covered foam rubber cushions and an innovative stuffing for that time. That was a quote. They didn't see you doing the the things with your fingers. (laughs) The the air quotes. Sorry. Okay. Um, They say that Mies often spoke of designing the chair on the back of an envelope. But Ludwig Glasher, the curator, he believes that it was actually Lily that was the designer. Or at the very least, it was her idea to have that leather, the soft stuffing, the buttons and the tuftings in the Barcelona chair. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have to remember her training of furniture and upholstery that you mentioned in the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, Jessica? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like Mies was trying to take credit for Lily's ideas. Maybe it was all collaboration, but maybe it was also all Lily. 
Exactly. And to add to that, you can see elements of this design in other furniture that Lily would design, not for Mies, but for other architects like Philip Johnson. Um, so I also wanted to share another quote from the Washington Post. Mies, Ludwig writes, always cherished his privacy and to let only those who worked or studied with him observe the creative process, making the world believe that the Barcelona chair had sprung from his head like Athena in its final perfection. Ah, oh, this guy. Sprung to his head out of Lily's head? Like, right. <laughs> there are so many thoughts that come to mind that I think attributes to what happens next. Okay, so Lily, she had always been offered teaching positions for fashion design, furniture, you name it. But in 1932, Mies became the director of the Bauhaus and appointed Lily as the director of the building finishing department and the weaving workshop at the Bauhaus in Dessau, Germany. So as a director or a professor, they were referred to as masters. So Lily was a Bauhaus master. Of course she was, because Lily was a total master boss. <laughs> yep. Okay, so back in season one, when we talked about Beverly and Georgia Louise, we briefly talked about Mies and the Bauhaus school. So if you remember, Mies was only there for less than a year because World War II broke out. And Mies ends up moving to Chicago to teach at the Illinois Institute of Technology, IIT. So what happened to Lily? Did she go with him to Chicago? Lily remained in Germany to handle Mies' professional affairs. She sort of became his office manager. She opened up her own studio at some point, but because of the war, work was pretty minimal. She quoted in a letter to a friend, I have had few smaller jobs, but now and again, there's nothing, she explained. It's not a pretty situation, but we are so helpless to change it. Now, Lily did visit Mies in Chicago once, but after that trip, she returned to Germany and she was enlisted to the military engineering group. And that was during World War Two. Yeah. Hmm. So sounds like she was a Nazi, but also sounds like maybe she was forced into it. Like you just said, she felt like there wasn't much she could do at the time to change the situation. And I think we've talked about in previous episodes that the Nazis declared war on the Bauhaus. They thought the school was full of radicals until they basically forced the school to close. So I'm sure being a Bauhaus master put her in a really bad position and she was probably just trying to survive. Actually, Jessica, did she survive? She survived. Her studio did get bombed, though. Um, she ended up going back to teaching at the Berlin University of the Arts and even was a part of the group that was going to bring back the Deutsche Werkbund, the German Work Federation. But sadly, she passed away in 1947 before her role could be reestablished. Oh, no. That's sad. But it's been interesting to learn about everything that she was involved with. Yeah. And actually, you can credit Lily with the documentation of all of Mises' work. If it wasn't for her, his work could have easily been destroyed during the war. She had saved more than 2,000 drawings, which was now a part of the MoMA archive in that article that i mentioned wow. yeah thank you lily we don't want to have another julia morgan situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's also pretty annoying how i have never heard about lily and how very important she was to one of my favorite architects but not my favorite architect <laughs> anymore 
<laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Jane Drew with Le Corbusier and how there are these women who are overshadowed by their partnerships with famous male architects. Such a bummer that we didn't mm-hmm. know more about Lily when it came to Mises' work. And he was essentially claiming her work as his own. Super sketch and terrible that he could get away with that. Yeah, the fact that he could get away with it, that it's just assumed that he was the genius yeah. of it all, when he really wasn't. And we just keep feeding that rhetoric. That brings up a whole nother conversation about the idea of architects, but we can discuss that in another episode, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it now knowing that Mies had mistresses on top of mistresses, as much as I loved the idea of him being an influence for Beverly and Georgia Louise back in the States, part of me now wonders if he was like seeing these women on the side, you know? Oh, like, who knows? So what I thought was fascinating was that in my research, they had referred to her as his wife, but there was no record of the marriage. Interesting. Did he ever get divorced hmm. from his wife that they would have thought they got married or something? I don't know. I didn't. Maybe it and, was like a work wife. I don't think you know that how people was a, say that today. Yeah, I think that's a term today, but I don't think that was a term back then. They were ahead of their times. This is a little bit more than sure. a work wife. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey. Different definition. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. But what I love about Lily is that everything that she has learned, it would begin to influence one another. Like she started out as an embroiderer. She did fashion design. She worked on interior design. And then all of those things contributed to her being such a great furniture designer. Well, it's what we've been saying through these episodes that designers need to know a little bit about a lot of things. And that all really enriches our work. So Noel International still manufactures the Barcelona chair. And Albert Pfeiffer, vice president of design and management at Noel, says, It became more than a coincidence that Mises' involvement and success in exhibition design began at the same time as his personal relationship with Reich. It is interesting to note that Mies did not fully develop any contemporary furniture successfully before or after his collaboration with Reich. So she's like the secret sauce for Mies. No, but I mean, that just shows that she was really the force behind these great designs and should have been recognized as the primary or at least equal designer on these projects. Yeah, very interesting to know. It, it's time history starts giving Lily her due credit. Looking at the Barcelona Pavilion, they sometimes mention her. But still, I don't recall hearing her name in school or in any of the conversations of the Barcelona chair. Right. I'm sure she's noted in certain places. But like you said, in school, I don't remember hearing about her at all. And now hearing your research, she was more than just a collaborator. She was like an integral part of the work. Well, hopefully we're doing a small part in sharing her story. And she makes it into architecture history mm. class one day. So show. Or, yeah. Now it's time for the second half of our episode, The Karyatid. Nargidi, can you remind the people who and what a karyatid is? Sure thing, chicka wang. A karyatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building. Each episode, we'll choose a karyatid, a woman who is working today, furthering the profession through their work, and who ties into the historical woman of our episode. 
So without further ado, this week's karyatid is... Kate Duncan. So Kate Duncan is a furniture designer out of Toronto, Canada. She has been doing her thing for the past 20 years, where she creates heirloom quality furniture. Her designs are influenced by the brutalist movement that was popular in the 70s and 80s. Some of her designs reminded me of Lily's work, but Kate's work is mostly made out of North American hardwoods. Besides her aesthetic and craftsmanship, Kate, in 2014, founded a dress design show, an inclusive annual exhibit that promotes both well-established and up-and-coming creatives. So I thought with Lily's exhibition mm. work and how she was a director and did that, I, that uh, well, first, Kate's a, Kate's a furniture designer. So I really wanted to find a furniture designer. And then this exhibition work that she's doing kind of reminds me of Lily. Um, I came across Kate because of this other organization that I follow called Female Design Council. They announced Kate to be a part of a jury, I believe. It, so this show is taped in September. So this was an announcement was made uh, with the Female Design Council organization. So I don't know the word organization, exhibition and furniture reminds me of Lily. And then now Kate is all up in organization furniture an exhibition at just today and it, now. It, yeah, it ties in because Lily was a master at the Bauhaus, right? Right. And Kate is also trying to promote up and coming people. Yeah. Like Lily was. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. a good character. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't usually, I mean, besides the Barcelona chair, I don't really dive into too much of furniture design. So finding her was really cool because I got to go in depth a little bit of the furniture design world, which I don't normally get to do. So Yeah, that's really cool. Yay, cool. Okay. All right. So we are at the end of our episode. But before we sign off, we need to give special thanks to Vibka for teaching us yes. German, specifically for this episode. <laughs> yes. So it should have told her to... Dankeschön. Dankeschön. Is that German? Dankeschön. I probably said that wrong. I apologize again for my German pronunciations. <laughs> we really tried. We really tried. Um, but we want to also thank CMYK for the music, John W., our tech producer, and most of all, Dankeschön for you all listening. We hope you enjoyed learning about Lily and Kate along with our banter and that you are inspired to find out more about them and the other professional ladies. So again, Dankeschön. Please let us know what you thought of our episode. If you've enjoyed it, please help us spread the word. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Give us five stars on iTunes, write us a review, and this will all help us reach a wider audience and more people to learn about these amazing ladies with us. We're excited to hear from you and for you to come back and keep learning about women bosses with us. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com Leave us a comment on our website, SheBuildsPodcast.com, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SheBuildsPodcast, and on Twitter at SheBuildsPod. Juice. I was going to say, Ashvida Sang. Ashvida Sang. Juice. Bauhaus de Hau. De Sao. Bauhaus in Deso. 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 Bauhaus in Deso. Deso.
Okay. Okay. Hey, designers and curious minds. Ever wondered about the stories hiding within your building's walls? I'm Carrie Seaburn, structural engineer and host of Unstruct, the podcast that decodes and simplifies major concepts of structural design. Behind the math and physics, structural engineering simply predicts building behavior. Join me as we simplify the complex, making structural design accessible to everyone. Nowadays, instead of measuring it via cost, we're saying, well, what about carbon, you know? We've got two levers now that we can, if, if an architect has an inefficient design, we can hit them with two levers if you like. <laughs> the official casualty figure is 55,000. Everybody I talked to told me that the actual figure is at least three times as much. And I believe that. I mean, seeing what I saw, Turkish codes are good and, and they have been improving, but compliance was completely lacking. Fluent in steel, concrete, masonry, and timber design, I'll bring you leading engineers to dissect the tales behind their building structure. Whether you're an architect, contractor, engineer, or just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Yeah, beam penetrations. That's a fun topic on this project. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Unstruct. From within your walls, hear the story behind how your building stands today.